Hello and good, well I guess, morning, afternoon, evening, whenever it is that you're listening to us. This is the Two Dudes Talk Tattoos podcast, a podcast so great it will tear the pants off your hind end. I am one of your hosts for the show. My name is Ryan. Uh, You can find me online, the Better Tattooing website and YouTube and all the other stuff. And I own the Better Tattooing shop in Portland, Oregon. It's, It's nice out today out here. It's actually sunny. Um, broken clouds, a little bit of rain, not too bad. Anyways, I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but I hope it's lovely. My co-host for this show, his name is Brian Matthew. It's with one T on that Matthew. You can find him in Rogers, Arkansas at the Tailored Fit Tattoo Gallery. And uh, online, Brian Matthew Tattoos, Brian Matthew Illustrations, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. I'm not on the Instagram anymore, actually. Just today I decided, like, you know what? I, I averaged how many hours a day... I, I would sit there and look at this stuff, and it wasn't very much compared to, I know, like, some of my friends. If you spend, like, 45 minutes to an hour a day, that's 360 hours or whatever, you know, a, a year. That's wild. Think about it, you have an average 40-hour work week. That's almost, like, two months of your life. <laughs> that's just crazy. So I said, you know what, I'm just kind of done with it. I'm going to do things old school. We, we just opened the shop out here and... and in Portland, and I figured, you know what we would do instead of just what everyone else says. They all say you need social media to be successful, and I don't actually agree with it. I think, I think that that's mutually exclusive to the idea of success. We've all been trained to think a lot, just to think about, you know, what what uh, what our like and follower count is. That we don't really pay attention just to the stuff that's going on around us. And I got to tell you, I deleted all those things off my phone, and I woke up this morning because I did it last night. I woke up this morning and I had anxiety because of it. It was weird. I felt like a, a druggie needing a fix. And I don't even use it that much. So I wonder what happens with some of y'all, if you're listening, if you have ever tried doing that stuff. What do you think? What happens to you when you decide to just like maybe take a break? Or have you even gone as far as to like actually delete that stuff off of your phone? Anyways. We're sticking with the theme this 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 year, where we're looking back in time. So we have a special guest today, uh, Professor Margot DeMello. You can find her on TikTok. Just spelling her name, and uh, she'll she'll talk a little bit about her social media stuff. But this is an interesting show because Margot was in in a, a very specific place, at a very specific time, doing her PhD. And uh, was tied into tattooing when that was going on. So it, it's kind of a fun little little romp through the woods. Maybe not as much energy as we normally have because, well, one, I stopped drinking when we were recording. So I, maybe that makes it easier to understand what I'm saying. But two, uh, Miss Margot's got the most energy in the room with this one. So any hoozles. I think it will leave you with this, with this, this longer intro in comparison with how we've just had those canned ones in the past. And, and uh, uh, yeah. I hope you all enjoy the show, but before we hit play there, please, if you do like the show, head over to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those other places, Amazon Music, and leave a review for us. I mean, even if you're listening right now, I'm probably going to be talking for the next 30 seconds, so just, you know, it, uh, unless you're driving, don't touch your phone, but if you're just sitting around listening, walk over to your phone, give us a review. Come on, people. Put us up there. We did great. We were in the top 10 in Apple charts a couple times last year. I'd like to stay up there permanently. Yeah, and uh, past that as well. You can you can find some links in our show description if you want to support the show. We're not doing a Patreon or any of that stuff yet because this is so loose and just I don't know if you guys actually want to give us money. But if you do like the show, just go support us. Throw it onto the uh, the buy me a coffee. We got a link down there. You kick us like two or three bucks and, and help the upkeep of the show. That'd be greatly greatly appreciated. Uh, we had a couple extra reviews come in as well over the past couple weeks so thank you to those people who left such kind words about the show we were really appreciative so anyways hope you all enjoy it Uh, i'll see you on the back end bye for now Just too, there's too much shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah. 
I was like, man, I, I'm waiting for the time when maybe everything just goes for like six months and I could just sit down and enjoy the writing process rather than feeling like, fuck, I just got to rush through it. Yeah. Except that um, you already know that it won't. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know it sucks so bad. (laughs) How many books have you written so far? You've written a gaggle of them, eh? Um, I think that my new one, which is on um, cryptids, which is coming out this year, I think that'll be my 13th. Yeah, But that one was the same thing. Passion project. I want to devote all my time to it. And no, it got done in the corners (laughs) and the cracks. Not as good as I I mean, you know, that's just what it is. Yeah, it seems it seems that nowadays. Yeah, I don't know everything i've been noticing and i don't know if it's just because i'm getting older or not but like everything seems to be more and more important and everyone is rushed to get it done and everyone needs this asap and it i don't know why and i don't know if it's just all the digital stuff or whatnot but it used to be that i could just not pick up my fucking phone and it was right. okay <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm doing something else right now now if i don't answer a text message in three minutes i've got to spend two hours trying to calm the person down yeah yeah i don't know that's probably just yeah. my one in complaining are you are you digitally connected? Are you in? Are you plugged into the the web, like social media and all that stuff? I am, in yeah. fact. Yeah, oh, right on. You, my latest you, is um TikTok. I've sort of um given up all my other apps, and I'm all about the TikTok now. Oh no, kidding! Right on. How, how is that going for you? We just started one, and I I don't I can't spend much time on it. And I, you I remember, have to, unfortunately, yeah. TikTok is a demanding mistress. She absolutely <laughs> demands that you post like three times a day if you want to keep your views and your followers. It's really hard. Um, oh, shit. And I only do it for fun, but then you get addicted to the validation and the feedback. So then you got to keep doing it so that you can get all the. Uh, that's hilarious. What was that? I read an article, I think it was on Wired. And it was called the Enshittification of social media. Um, huh. If you have a chance, you should read it. It's it's really well written. I don't remember the writer's name and such, but we're talking about how like when these these platforms first come about, they're really for the people who are using them, and slowly they deviate into shareholder territory, just like most other mm. things, right? Mm. And uh, they're talking about the, the the fact that you really do have to be engaged in in it and on it all the time, and you're on it so much you don't start noticing like those little changes they keep making become more and more constant. And then mm-hmm. you're kind of like not liking the space that you're in. Whoa. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that was Oscar. Oh, hey, Oscar. <laughs> oh, what's up, Bubba? All right. So I don't know if Brian's going to make it on or not. He is in uh, Arkansas and they just got through a major ice storm that lasted a week. Oh, so he might pop in eventually. We'll see what happens. Okay. But his his internet, he uses Starlink, the Elon Musk one. <laughs> We've talked about it at length. It's garbage. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's like up on a mountain, you know, like in the middle of nowhere, like the house is in the middle of 50 acres and there is no lines running to him. So, yeah, he's got this little Starlink thing and that's garbage. And is he a tattooist as well? Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah, premise of the show is like I'm the science guy, where I talk about like do the scientific research and stuff like that, and he is a 100 the artist. Ouch. Uh, so it's normally us like kind of going back and forth about what's right or what's wrong or whatever. And uh, last season we were doing a lot of talking just about like tattooing in general. Um, but coming into the season of the show, we were really hoping to. Somebody's being cranky, hey. <laughs> He's a Bengal and um, oh. we for Christmas, and I've never had a cat like him before. He's from the shelter, uh. and he is like a predator. He <laughs> is constantly working on attacking one of us right now. He's going after one of the dogs. Like, and you have to like because he is big and he's tough, and um, yeah, he's a monster. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you need to at any point yeah. in time, get up and run for your life. Just have at it <laughs> okay. okay um so yeah so anyways what we're trying to do this year is just talk about tattoo history you know and there's a lot Good. of people i think who look at tattoo history as just that that western the you know like this is the the families that started it from the carney life and it's gone out from there and uh, there's not a whole lot of like really you know finite snapshots like we talked about before where you're looking at these these small 
you know, like dates or spaces in time where somebody has paid a lot of focus just to like what was happening here versus just the industry at large. And so, of course, when we decided the season was going to happen, I was like, I got to talk to Margo because you did that. And I found some of your old papers on like JSTOR and stuff like that, where you had talked about like tattoo culture in like um, prison systems. And like very much like understanding like the 1990s, like tattoo culture, just in general, like how things are moving. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to touch on. Like what you, what you had seen, what you remember, and just maybe let the, the, the listeners of the show, you know, contrast what their own experiences are now. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess one thing I'm going to say about that period, and, and this is sort of the, um, it ended up being a perfect time uh, for me to do the research that I did because it was a transitional time. Like it was a time when you could um, in San Francisco, you could still go to a shop in the Tenderloin run by an old Chinese guy from Hong Kong, like uh. that sort of thing. You could go, you know, across town a little bit. You got it. Hardy's place. You could go again to another piece of town and you're going to get the military stuff. Like it was all happening at the same time in the same place. So it was really kind of a fertile kind of a place for everything. Like I have a, um, a tattoo, one of my tattoos that I got from a guy named, um, Broadway Bob. This is Sacramento now, not San Francisco, but as old school as you can get and also as terrible a tattooist as you can get and his equipment was terrible but i kind of love my tattoo because it's that piece of that past that is pretty yeah. much fun now in this country um yeah. that was also the day and i did a lot of stuff with bikers so besides the prison stuff i went to just mm. a lot of biker shows and you know yeah um but but it was again such a kind of a time where that was all still happening and where they hadn't yet been sort of displaced by um you know kind of contemporary middle class tattooing we mm-hmm. also have a lot of kind of class changes in that era when oh, yeah. um, a lot of working class masculinity all of a sudden became really sort of troubled um oh like, yeah and so the within that springsteen like springboard right yeah <laughs> I mean, just you know it's just a period uh, of post unionization and post kind of all of the old ways that working class men knew that they could like uh, ha- make a living and take care of a family like those kinds of things had already been disappearing by that time uh, and so the tattooing was almost like the um the visceral the corporeal um remnant of cultural practices and cultural lifestyles that you know uh, been moving out even even bikers have radically changed now i mean oh yeah Harleys yeah, yeah. are so expensive, you know. Again, you've got <laughs> old middle class white guys now riding those Harleys. Yeah, um, yeah. Is it uh, looking back at just that region? I guess specifically, like around like the San Francisco, whatever the Valley areas, whatever there is. It uh, was it just like this? Like you're talking about it being transitional between the two spaces. Is it weird because it was so progressive in one way, and but also so tied to the past that? Like yeah. you, say, you go to shop to shop to shop. How was the vibe? Like if you had these two, these two times like butting heads with each other, was there a lot of collaboration or was no. it? Kind of, no, <laughs> oh, no, no, the worlds were different. The magazines were different. This was also the era of the magazines. Oh, yeah. I mean, the magazines kind of um, um, were on the one hand kind of pushing the art forward, but on the other hand, like heavily even making it more commercialized because, you know, you can take a magazine with a big, beautiful Ed Hardy tattoo to your shitty local guy and say, Hey, I want this. And I would see like very bad, um, you know, reproductions of like once, you know, custom work. And so the magazines were just kind of, doing what they used to do but then all of a sudden trying to keep up with what's happening in the new and then of course you had ed and the kind of the high scale his shots gorman's um magazines were kind oh, of the high yeah, yeah yeah and they yeah. didn't speak to each other these were different worlds that did not speak the only place that you had um kind of overlap was at the tattoo conventions um the <sighs> ones put on by national because they're the more, more conservative ones they're the yeah. ones that service the old sort of school and so you would have both of those groups at those um Meeting conventions yeah. would that would people get along on the floor there were they like being I mean, talking getting along or was it kind of like, no they weren't like, 
No. I mean, it's kind of split. You uh, know, there's there's resentment. There's, again, kind of class is kind of a like a bit of an overriding sort of a thing through it. Uh, there's also, and I think I think part of it is if you look back at the, the rules that National had back then, I have no idea what things were like these days, but back then it was no piercings and no, um, um, no facial tattoos. Like they were trying to keep a handle on what was a culture that was all already kind of spinning away from them but they were trying to do that at that time because it wasn't just sort of the class discrepancy it was also the modern primitives and there was something very threatening about that whole movement um in the same (laughs) way that today it's you know it's trans kids which you know make everybody's heads just explode um that's actually because you're talking about like the the primitives is that like the gauntlet back in the day coming in with yeah, the piercing I mean, stuff and fakirs schools and stuff. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, you know, you see somebody today with a big old tribal tattoo on their arm, and you're like, ah, I think you probably got that baby in 1992. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. So just, just the ideal, you know, the the uh, the tattoos come with value systems and ideology and so um when that's shifting and it's probably shifting now as well and i don't have a clue um um, last tattoo i got we were in spain a few months ago and we always get a a souvenir tattoo whenever we're you know someplace else and um you know we didn't we just found a place i mean didn't know anything about them but the the guys that we got to do it were both um um, black fine line kind of stuff yeah. and we got um just ridiculous tattoos big smiling face and they were like what like they were kind of <laughs> like really kind of i mean they enjoyed it i think but they were sort of like weirded out a little bit by yeah. it um and i don't know i don't know what spanish tattooing is sort of like or anything but they were not used to um people that just got dumb stuff which is all we had. <laughs> Yeah, it's been that that Brian and I. Had, and, oh yeah, Margo, this is Brian. Brian, hi. Can you hear us right now, dude? Hey, I came uh, in at trans kids are blowing <laughs> people's minds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good, buddy. Um, that's funny. I think maybe like whatever I was thinking was just like out of my mind. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, also, also at that time, the community was still semi-small enough that like you could be a normal person and you could meet um you know chuck eldridge and ed hardy and all the other kind of you know it was even though there was the the kind of upper echelon and all that kind of stuff there was still accessibility back then and again i don't know what it's like now with the top artists and and kind of how that works but um but back then, I mean, you could, you could literally get your, you know, your military tattoo and the next day you could get something from, um, you know, from Tattoo City and, and it, it just was kind of amazing. And again, maybe it's like this now. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll let people kind of think about what do you think, Brian? Is it, is it like that currently, dude? I have a, a wholly different opinion on tattooing (laughs) the categorization of tattooing i don't think that there are many celebrity tattoo artists like we had a generation of what would be celebrity tattoo artists and most of them have died off and you don't have a new kind of generation of people who are like somehow like defining the field right now or something from where i sit there's not a lot of tattoo artists that hold the same amount of weight as those tattoo artists from previous generations yeah i mean in some way maybe that's just sort of also a reflection of just sort of economic changes in our society where Mm. you know it used to be that you had to have certain kinds of background to get a certain kind of job you had to have networks and then you're going to have that job for 30 years and then you're going to retire and all of that of course is completely blown up and i think that sort of out of the gatekeepers in the industry are gone now um and so it's just kind of much more wide open maybe can can we talk about that maybe a little bit what what was the gatekeeping like back in the day like what when you're moving through like social circles did you have to prove yourself in various different places to move up and through those yeah Oh yeah. yeah. And, and the, the apprenticeships were so hard to get 
get. And yet that was almost the only way in because there were the schools, of course, back in the day, which were, you know, crazy mail order, <laughs> to, you know, courses. Um, and then that changed. And then it was you got to find a tattooist who's going to want to work with you. And then you, you got to hit your wheel to his wagon for a good 10 years. Like it was really a tight, tight world. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And, and I'm assuming that that is, that has radically changed now. And now it's not who you were friends with. Is that right? Uh, Yeah. Usually the, the time in, in studio learning the craft before you actually get in skin can be anywhere from the first day to the first six months until they say that you are a tattooer and you can basically go on your own so we should have had a really young tattoo artist on here oh yeah (laughs) no well so the idea concept is this is we're gonna say our stuff and then the listeners can make up their own fucking minds because fuck them Margo's the specialist here. Well, I, I was saying, like, uh... I used to be, again, many years in the past. I am not anymore. Yeah. What's well, a good snapshot? So, if we have like, a 20 year old tattooer on here, their experience for tattooing is so night and day different from oh, yeah. like just minor Ryan's yeah. version of tattooing. And our, you know, version of tattooing was so different from the yeah, 80s tattooing and 70s uh, tattooing yeah ours we're, we're like the like the turn of the millennia like the beginning that that next generation like the new school tattooers or right. when they came out past the right. 90s. but it seems to me like like through all of our research and all the talking we've done there seems to be a gap or a bridge where like the industry started to thin out so much and i don't know if it's because the gatekeeping or not right up until the tv shows came out and then everyone jumped on mm-hmm. board you know, like Spalding and Rogers was selling, I forget the number that they said, but they were selling hundreds of mail like order tattoo kits a day once those shows came out wow. and just cranking money. See, right? And in the old days, and I don't remember if Spalding did it, but in the old days, the 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 good companies, you know, the ones who again kind of controlled the industry, they wouldn't sell machines to some fucking Joe off the street. They did not do that. And yeah. so just just to get a machine, you had to kind of go through back channels. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that now, you know, anybody who wants one, and I don't have a problem with that, but back then it was like, we're keeping the because part of it was the it was the professionalization of the field. And part of professionalization is again, we're going to get rid of all the old stuff. We're going to get rid of all the old practices, even if it just wasn't, it just doesn't make sense Uh, now looking back, but they were really focused on it back then. Were they trying to like legitimize the industry? Yeah, absolutely. Because besides national, then there was um, APA, I think association. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't know, just like, I mean, somebody, I guess, had to do some of that work and make sure that everybody knows that, like, it's everything sterilized and clean and stuff. And so I know they had to do some of that work. But looking back now, I think it was excessive. And I think it was, um, again, just sort of a way to control something that is ultimately not controllable. Um You know, like, do you really want to have an industry like in the old days of like union whatever you know pipe fitters where first you had to be white and your dad had to be a pipe fitter and your grandpa had to be a pipe fitter and that's the only way you're gonna get to fit pipes whatever that um i feel awkward because my dad did tattoos (laughs) gate kept into this yeah i know when when i when I started tattooing, the dude who trained me had like 19 years experience. He started, I guess, just kind of at the you know beginning part of the 90s. And uh, his explanation of how he got into it is he just started. So there's no gatekeeping. Now, mind you, his shop was not good. It was considered the worst shop in town. There's a bit of that 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 derelict <laughs> bridge. Now, this was in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, actually. <laughs> it, was a, it was like a red-lined shop. I was right next to another guy who had been tattooing collies since like, I think the sixties or the seventies. His name was Gary Shin. Uh, he was like the, the, the tattoo supply guy for Canada on mm-hmm. the East coast. 
And they mm. were next to each other. And that's where you went for like most of your stuff, the shopper, you know, go buy your supplies, this, that. But the dude who taught me was so fucking bad, man. And no one inside the industry there that had been established and like set up for a while, they would never talk about that shop. They would never be invited to any of the conventions. It was just kind of like this rat hole in the wall where you would just go if you didn't know any better if you're a tourist especially didn't know any better or if you just didn't have a lot of money because it wasn't even a minimum charge on stuff it was just like fucking take whatever they got you know yeah and uh yeah yeah. so it's yeah it's kind of interesting i'm trying to think about like if if that shop was to be invited to a convention you know and i'm thinking even if it was a convention nowadays or 20 years before when i started what the fuck would that look like you know right (laughs) Right. nowadays they could go there'd be no problem you just pay the fee you go there's no controlling of anything it's just open source stuff but back in the day there'd be no way you'd even walk through the front door right you know right 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 yeah i Uh, mean you know you were judged by also your tattoos as a tattooist which is always weird because presumably you got you started getting tattooed when you were quite a bit younger and so your early tattoos are not going to be good but like everything was being judged Judged. and and again maybe it still is but it was i think it was because of the professionalization and we need to get a control of this thing in order to be artists and in order to have the status that we feel like we should have um you got to clean everything up like i miss being able to go into a shop and you know the the flash sheets and just be like i just want that little tasmanian devil for 20 bucks (laughs) like there's something so accessible about that there's something so organic about that um Mm. i don't know yeah yeah that's kind of like the gatekeeping now everyone went full custom you can't oh, even yeah. bring in a design. You got to trust me. I'm an artist. Yeah. You have no control over what you're putting on right. your body. <laughs> and I get it. I mean, we've all seen everybody's own terrible drawings. And I mean, I get that. But um, yeah, just, just to, it's, it's almost like, again, an inherently uncontrollable sort of a thing. We've got yeah. human bodies. Um but that we're going to have to try to control it anyway. Uh, but I'm glad to know that it's a free-for-all now. And, uh, <laughs> the pendulum swung way back right. the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. All right. So uh, there's two other things I want to talk to you about um, after this. I wanted to get into uh, like feminism and tattooing, of course, down the down at the maybe the end of the show here. But when we were talking about like the clicks and stuff like that, like did you through your studies and immersion in the culture at the time, were you able to kind of like identify each of the individual like clicks or, or um, spaces inside of it and like rank and grade them? Like I, I found mm-hmm. one of your papers where it was like at the lowest end of the scale, you had like the prison tattooers. Right, right. right and right. so like if you were to work forward from there, like how would you classify the shops back then? Like how it was run? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have like kind of um, a way to sort of have the fine line sort of a thing, but uh, um, certainly the specialties were starting to emerge. So, I mean, it had been for some time. Um, so the fine line or the photorealistic. So that was a distinguishing thing. And and you were expected to have a specialty if you're going to be... Um, if you're going to be on the higher level, you're definitely expected to have a specialty and not to be, um, you know, just sort of a jack of all trades, which was interesting because then when the shows come out, then you've got these people who are amazing and they're still and they're like, oh, I can't draw a hand, you know. <laughs> um, but but again, you were uh. expected to specialize because the idea is you're going to only do custom work and you're going to have clients come to you because of your specialty and you know all that and i think for some people of course it was you know absolutely successful um but that's i would think uh, not having done it myself i would think that that would be hard to stake your whole career kind of on a particular style and because the trends go in and out like you know if if you if you you know, hitch your your wagon to the um like remember when everybody was doing all the like Geiger stuff and workings of the arms and stuff like if you specialize in that you did great, but then that shit went out of fashion. So you know, and, and I know those skills are transferable to other styles, but still. Um that's super funny. It's the dark ages of tattooing. <laughs> well what I mean, it's it's funny that that you're we're talking about history, and in some ways, 
it wasn't history. It was, I was around. So it doesn't feel like history, but that's just me not um, being able to grapple with being old. Like um, I'm <laughs> teaching a class right now, um, um, Animals in American History, where we're sort of taking a journey through American history through animals. And all the students have to pick an animal, a, a named animal from American history that they have to do a research project on. And, um, you know, and they'll ask me things like, um, you know, can I do? And then they'll name some animal that like was alive last year. I'm like, that's not history. And then they're like, okay, we'll do, go in the nineties. And I still want to say that's not history, <laughs> but of course it is to them. So yeah. <laughs> I want to do one on ladybird. Is that okay? Like that's not that. Oh yeah. Fuck it. Fine. Yeah. Your parents might've been around or not even been right. around when that dog is around. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, my students' parents are millennials, I'm pretty sure. Like, <laughs> how young they are. I think, yeah, we covered a bunch of that stuff. I, I guess the the other thing I noticed, because I went and bought a bunch of your books, is that you have written on like the, the idea of women and tattooing as well. So maybe to start on that conversation, if we were to think about like what the position um, or what the idea or concept of, was of women in tattooing at that time when you were doing your studies, like how, how were they looked at in the industry and how did yeah. they Yeah, that was another piece of sort of the transitioning. I mean, women had been getting tattoos within certain communities since the seventies and even before, but if we go back to like the fifties, you know, they were lesbians and you know, whatever. So like, <laughs> ah, it was so terrible. But, um, but by the time I'm, I'm coming around now we again it's now you know sliding into the middle class and and that's part of why the door opened for women because women are always expected to be the um the more sort of cultured one out of men sure. and women the ones who they're, they're yeah, yeah and there's lightness and there's manners and there's you know no cussing and all that kind of stuff they're expected to um to demonstrate sort of the virtues of propriety in any given society and so when i was younger like in the 80s with my tattoos um i mean again people's heads would explode when they saw <laughs> me um and now people don't even look at me like that's how different it is um but part of is because i'm also old and old women of course are just invisible like that you just disappear from society. But the other thing that was happening back then, so feminism, you know, had started already a generation earlier, but it takes a while for it to, you know, slide into all the industries and in particular male dominated industries. Mm -hmm. So that's why you had, and I don't know if you still have today, I think you do. Um, you know, there was female owned tattoo studios that mm -hmm. came up because they had to, because wow. they weren't going to get jobs at the male studios. Again, you had your, your rock stars, you had your Vivian Lazanga and that woman in yeah. New Orleans, whose name I forget, oh, like yeah. you have the rock stars, <laughs> yeah. but for the most part, a normal woman um, wasn't going to get, uh, because again, those, in, those internships, those apprenticeships are already so scarce. You're certainly not going to give that to a woman. Uh, um, so they had to kind of create their own separate spaces um, just so that they could work just so that they could, you know, you know, get involved. Now, of course, again, I was in the Bay Area. And so the rise of sort of feminist tattooing was linked completely with sort of the queer community there. Um, and the two, I think, have always gone hand in hand um, with respect to um, alternative sexualities and gender presentation and all that, that even today, if, if I'm non-binary and I want to get a tattoo, um, Unless I know any better, I'm probably going to put myself in a woman's studio because I don't know how I'm going to be treated. You know what I mean? At a studio run by men. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. We, one of the guests we're trying to get on in the next couple of weeks is uh, Carrie Barba. Uh, she mm. uh, yeah. Uh, out yeah. Of uh, down in, I think it's San, uh, San Diego, right? San Diego. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, like her coming in and, and being such a like a, a strong force inside the tattoo community back then and i guess i don't know what her is she is still totally tattooing good. today then yeah oh that's good well yeah, surprisingly enough <clears throat> it seems like you could see a lot of that stuff happening but like I, brian and i both traveled all quite a bit and you you get these like small enclaves where it's usually along the coastal lines right mm -hmm. where this stuff has been accepted and it's it's you know progressive and it's acting like this but you don't really see a lot of that when you get into the central right. part of the country so right is it 
like looking at how like i'm in montana i'm in one of the most rural states in the country in fact we're called like a frontier state because there's so few people here it's kind of crazy um and i've been to the two tattoo places here in town they're both like they could be in any other big city like they have you know contemporary work and the artists are young and like it, it you don't have like a Oh, like a hick vibe. Like it's not actually <laughs> here now. That doesn't mean that those places probably aren't in the smaller towns, maybe, because um, I'm in the capital. But um, so, I mean, there's, yeah. I feel like because maybe of the work that was done back in the 90s, the 80s and the 90s, that the level of professionalism has kind of risen everybody kind of up uh, so that you can be in a fucking town in Montana and have good <laughs> artists, um, which would not have been possible back in the day. Oh, that's interesting. I never even thought about that. Like the the base level of whatever competency that we're seeing nowadays right. for people coming out is is that was like where people wanted to get to back in the day, right? Like right. The level of and now I feel like it's the it's the base, um, yeah. which is good, right? Uh, um, I think it's the base. Although again, neither of these shops have flash on the walls except for yeah. just for decoration, and so to make those strides. I think there's some loss of history and culture, you know, that had to be sort of swept away. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I've, we, I've worked at a couple of shops more recently that had some flash on the walls. And when the younger people come in, they don't even know what's there. They're like, what is that? And you're like, you can go look at it. <laughs> and they'll be like, just flashbacks of custom designs. Right of what on, and they'll be like, you know, slowly like leafing through it, trying not to touch anything like it's museum art hanging yeah. up or something. Like, no, you yeah. can get that. It's just 150 bucks for that, you know, that turtle. Do you want a turtle? Yeah. <laughs> Normally everyone comes in with their flash on their phone now. You know, it's so accessible. Oh yeah, sure. You just come sure, in and sure, like, sure. I want this, 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 this. You're like, oh, okay. You know, sure. so maybe that splitting off of stuff has made it so that we don't have to have that shit anymore. I don't know. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know um, how artists like again, sort of if 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 there are still rock stars today, like, is there a concern about protecting their work or making sure that it doesn't get ripped off? Like, or is that kind of concern disappeared? Oh, yeah. Brian, what do you think on that? <laughs> I think all of that shit's out the window. And it's okay. definitely not any sort of great uh, loss to culture. It's just culture advances. Right. Um, it's almost a futile effort to even just draw a flash because you could spend mm. 800 hours drawing flash and no one's going to get that tattoo done. <laughs> I will. I would. Yeah. <laughs> if, it had, if it had a dollar amount near it and then it would make me, you know, kind of it would make me feel good. Yeah. Like to the past again. <clears throat> there was like also, I remember, and I don't know if this is still the case, um, um, city rivalries like Chicago, San Francisco. And then there was New York, which for most of the time I was doing my research, it was illegal in New York City, yeah. but there was still yeah. a really cool tattoo culture there. Um, and, and again, I don't know, maybe those regional differences maybe have gone away now that um, that again, the kind of the ceiling has um, or the floor has sort of risen for everybody. Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> we also have like, like <laughs> the amount that tattoo artists travel now is insane. Yeah. You know, like a lot of us, we will travel once a month. Yeah. You know? Wow. Wow. So there's, there's a tattoo yeah. show going mm -hmm. on. There's at least five tattoo shows in the U.S. every month. Easy. Easy. There's, yeah, there's one a quarter in Oregon, right? And do yeah. you, and do yeah. you feel like the shows are, you have to go to the shows in order to maintain a reputation or no. what's the purpose these days? No. So there's, there's a hierarchy to tattoo shows. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's uh, what we just call local. There's really small shows for any local tattoo artist that can just go right. and have fun, et cetera. Um, then there's intermediate tattoo shows where you'd actually have to travel and you actually have to try a little bit to get into the show. Yeah. And right, then there's invitational right. and invitational is your higher up tattoo show, et cetera. You actually have to be invited to, you have to impress somebody to get into that tattoo yeah. show. And then aside from that, then it goes into international shows. And, and those are 
invite. That's the biggest the stuff. Time. Those are the ones that's just like if only if you've been in the magazine multiple times in the past like year are you going to be getting into right. Those are the super superstars. They're so insulated though, <clears throat> and um, I think it's because it's like recommendation wise, you have to know one of the guys who's already at the show who's going to say, yeah, you know what, like this guy's good. We should bring him on too because it's going right. to be good for us, right? So it's right really insulated but you don't need to go to those shows to build a lasting clientele or to even be successful in this you don't even have to go to any of the conventions anymore to do anything yeah. you know everyone yeah, you is award-winning uh, yeah every once in a while but i think it's more just to, like hang out now <laughs> i tried I'm a, last year but character so like i go for the sport <laughs> oh yeah brian's hyper competitive <laughs> so hyper competitive yeah yeah it, it's a it's almost a sport you know there's spectators you're gonna work your ass off and hopefully you know like win the challenge etc take home that trophy or that prize etc etc but i mean like most of it's all just for self-amusement you're you're not gonna get some grandiose thing out of it you know yeah, you're still gonna go to your shop and be a scumbag tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it used to be if you won an award, it was special, but now right. because there's so many different grades of shops, so like, shows. Yeah, yeah, everyone's just like, Oh, I'm an award winning, multiple award winning artist. Right. It's like, Yeah, but you've only done regionals, like, that's not right. big, you know. If you take a best in show right. at an invite only, that's a big thing you could start bragging about. If you take a best in show at an international then that's like your career's done realistically, right? You're going right. to be booked out five, 10 years just from that one trophy. So right. it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a joke now. It's like, it's like having, it's like a sport. Yeah, totally. Brian. It's like the major leagues versus, you know, single A, you know? Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Um, that reminds me. Another thing about women too, was yeah. um, like, I never entered into any shows, mostly partly because my tattoos were always being worked on and I never had like a finished piece to like enter. But the other reason that I didn't was because I saw how women would be treated, um, which is to say <laughs> that young, thin and beautiful bodies, regardless of how many tattoos or the quality of the tattoos, those were the ones that were most valued. And oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. I am going to hope that that's changed today, but I don't know. It depends um, on who's judging. <laughs> right. I was going to say, the cool part about that is that women, etc., also judge these tattoo contests and stuff now. So we do have fair trade. You know, like we have fair play going on. Um, just as yeah. much objectification of male bodies now as well, which is kind of nice. Right. <laughs> Everybody gets objectified now. So it's perfect. Yeah, who cares? It's like, whatever. I remember I, I was at one show, it was a few years back, and I was judging, and this this uh, woman came up, she has just this tattoo, and there was nothing wrong with it. That's the best I could say. It was just technically perfect. It was on a lady who was a little bit bigger, et cetera, et cetera. The other judges at the table were like, oh, that's not that good. I'm like, you're smoking crack. Like, that is the best fucking tattoo we've seen all day. That is the best tattoo, hands down. Like, no, 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 no. We'll want to put it on this person over here. No, no, no. And we, like, almost came to blows. These say she won it. Came up was like, yeah, this is awesome. The artist was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then we started getting threatened by the other fucking artists. Because <laughs> they didn't win? <laughs> yeah. People just, like when we were saying it's like hyper competitive, you know, sometimes when you do a judging and stuff, the artists come up like, hey, why didn't I, why didn't I win? And you'd be like, okay, well, this is what I okay. saw. This is why, et cetera, et cetera. Other people will send their posse after you. <laughs> I got stuck by like 13 dudes. They're like, you're full of also, shit. You fucking suck. And I'm like, what? That's <laughs> also generational, though. <laughs> yeah. It's younger but, or older people who are going to do that more? Uh, older people. So oh, our sure. age bracket is going yeah. to be way more aggressive. Way more. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, the Although younger part age. of that, think about that. Part of that, like, think about the discourse around forgiving student loans and things like that. There's something that happens when you hit a certain age that you get fiscally conservative and you get selfish. So <laughs> I had to pay my student loans. I had to work hard. And so you need to suffer just as much as I do, even though my college education costs a dollar twenty-five and yours costs, you know, five hundred thousand dollars, but you you still got to do the same thing that I did. <laughs> and I feel like maybe for the tattooists, it's the same way. Like, 
Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, you yeah. think you don't have to go through all the hoops that I went through to get oh, here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so much gatekeeping with that nowadays, especially. It's just like... I like I had a really rough apprenticeship and I would never wish that on anyone period. I don't I wish I it on like... everyone. <laughs> but but don't but isn't that normally the way that it works? You have yeah. a shitty apprenticeship and then you make sure that your apprentices also get Let's a shitty, get a shitty apprenticeship. Yeah, there's like, no evolution. It's just digging yeah. in a hole, burying yourself in it and fucking just insulating yourself from any change. Yeah. 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 You That's know what so I funny. I think was cool about it? If you had a tough apprenticeship, though, like you could handle your shit in the most stressful environments. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Tattoo shops yeah. have the potential to be incredibly stressful environments. You know, like anybody at any given point in time could walk in there and put a gun right in your counter girl's face. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> like you want to see somebody throw a chair at that dude's head. Yeah. Yeah. That's super funny. Yeah. Because wasn't even nowadays like everyone is is they're trying to insulate themselves like the younger generation as well um when they're doing work they'll like slap on headphones and they've taken the idea mm-hmm. of the person being a canvas like so mm-hmm. I, was it like they, they, they'll lock themselves off they don't want to pay attention and they just work and it's just within their yeah. space was it like when you went to go get tattoos or the tattoo studios back then was there was there a lot more collaboration between the person and the artist or was the oh. artist really shut off and in their own fucking world I think it was kind of artist by artist, but I don't I don't remember people doing headphones back then. Um, again, of course, back then was like Walkman times. <laughs> like, no, we're talking about the Stone Age. Um, I don't re- I don't remember that. Um, there was one Bill Salmon. Um, he um, he sort of did that. He was always angry when he tattooed, which was weird because he was always stoned, and I never knew why that didn't <laughs> out. But he really hurt. Oh um, yeah, it's just so concentrated and so. But but I don't think I don't think that was like a um, for most of the time it wasn't really a thing. Um, oh, that's so great. Yeah, it just reminds me of Brian. <laughs> It's like, don't fucking talk to me right now. You know, <laughs> I tell, I tell jokes. I'm actually working on standup routines when I do tattoos. So it's, it's fucking weird with me when I work. I mean, that's what, that's yeah. what I want. And I think a lot of people want that. Um, if nothing else, you want to be distracted from what's happening. And so you want to have, you know. I know, Brian, I know, I know you actually do talk and you, you converse. It's just so much. I leave it up to the client if they want to start a conversation then you know i will attempt to go along with said conversation if they don't start a conversation i will not start a conversation (laughs) i don't care okay (laughs) that's so awesome dude i'm like hey what's your favorite type of soup and then we start talking right (laughs) i always say right at the start of the tattoo if you have any questions feel free to ask just like that there's no there's it's probably my fault because there's no real excitement or anything to it when I say it. I'm a little robotic, but I'll say that and then go immediately into tattooing. And then they're like, "I can't, I can't say a word this whole time." Because he'll look, and then, you know, he doesn't blink too, right? It's just yeah. like right into it. No. <laughs> Do you have anything to say? Maybe no. Just fucking go. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. <laughs> so how did oh. um just bringing it up to more contemporary mm. how did covid change um change the industry oh. like have you seen any kind of post post covid like changes in terms of how people i don't know anything yeah, yeah it might be regionally different with me and brian what do you i know brian's seen some changes so what do you think it did i would say like my tattooing itself and the way that i tattoo hasn't changed at all it's yeah. exactly the same yeah but i've had a lot of conversations with other tattoo artists that are like, uh, when COVID hit, I only did like one tattoo a day and et cetera and blah, blah, blah. And now this is just going to be my schedule for the rest of my life. Like they adopted the COVID way of life mm-hmm. and that's how they work now. And I was like, guys, I've been doing that for like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, some of the the tech stuff, like I do most of my uh, consultations now via zoom versus having people come mm-hmm. into the shop. Um, and using tech that way to like try and like maintain and manage stuff has been has been huge for me. Um, yeah, like everybody knows how to use it now, so at least yeah. that part is as easy. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, for, for me and a lot of the people that I'm talking to these days, like there's that whole discussion, you know, the new normal, let's go back to what normal, what's normal. And I'm like, we just went through and we're still going through like just massive global shit. And I don't understand kind of coming out of that, um, not changed in some sort of fundamental way. Like I do my research differently. I write about different subjects. I teach differently. Like, I don't know. Anyway. And I I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Stylistically, I think things were on a pause for that entire time. Cause normally we'll see like a fluctuation and change of style or something. Mm. That's him. That kind of like, you know, every three to five years, you get a bit of a rotation down as things start to be cycled out. And there has been no change except until like this year's things are starting to change a little bit, but through the past couple, it, it's been the same things happening over and over again. And I don't know if it's just people were so, so, you know, just stuck in one spot that they couldn't get out and start experiencing right. more, or maybe it's just the same things being shown over and over on social media because there wasn't right really because there's in. nothing new, yeah. right? Well, inter- it's interesting because think about other kind of, um, you know, uh, collective stressful times, so wartime, yeah. um, and wartime is always good for tattoos, oh, um, <laughs> or even things like 9 11, you know what I mean? Well, like actually, the rush after that, yeah. um. But this was a one, this was a different one. Like this was one that like, it brought us all into our houses and kind of shut us off from the world. Are you seeing anything though, like from these other kind of social movements that have been kind of exploded alongside of the pandemic, like Black Lives Matter? Is that more a part? Do you see that? Do you see? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. uh, And this is a weird way to go about it, but. Because of the war in Ukraine happening, a lot of the Russian and European tattoo artists have actually come to America. Oh, yeah. And dude. these guys, fuck, oh, they destroy they tattoos. Slay. They're so really? awesome. Good. Yeah. So what they, kind of stuff are they doing? Oh, just Everything. the most artistic. Just, greatest just, stuff just on the, the best shit off the world right now <laughs> but it's it's been really cool keeping track of it because they've come to america right and if you go over and you look at tattoo art and stuff like that from russia um, poland england etc like it's so awesome even spain and etc um but they've come to America and it's like they kind of hit a brick wall because they're <laughs> they're really capable of doing amazing stuff. But they oh, got wow. introduced to Americans and mm. Americans are the worst, worst clients. clients. <laughs> and is that true? Damn, oh, yeah. It's Absolutely. they're just it's it's like regionally as well you're going to get like different spaces where the european influence has trickled into it right it's like it's like genetic drift but we'll have artistic Mm. drift coming through right okay so we're going to have the coastal areas are usually going to be five to ten years behind whatever is hip in europe and then it slowly starts to taper in like middle america right now is just starting to hit fine line and fine line coasts yeah yeah is it becoming well the 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 new generation of fine line tattooing is way different than the 90s version of fine line black and gray work so we're saying fine line we're talking about a whole new thing now oh Um, sorry yes yeah modern (laughs) modern fine line tattooing not like uh uh, shamrock stuff or something and how does it how does it differ so, like, if you were to think about fine line black and gray back in the day, you would almost immediately picture yeah, yeah Jack Rudy and uh, all these Mahoney, dudes from yeah. California, and then you'd have the Latin American community in yeah. Chicago doing Chicano style tattooing. Mm. Um, a lot of that was fine line black and gray, and it was super smooth and super sharp and really cool. And yeah. when we flash forward to today, fine line black and gray tattooing is. Just a group of idiots doing the worst <laughs> tattoos possible. It's unfinished. It's, it's choppy. <laughs> it's full of dots and weird shit. The lines are just really chopped up and gross looking. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> so, of like a I blend mean, of like, yeah, gra- graphic novel-esque type of like heavy use of black and gray and pointillism. Oh, I yeah. like that. If, yeah. if MC Escher had like, um, you know... Baby with Warhol? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's it's just all of the above. It's very lithographic and it's it's terrible. Looks like unfinished Mooka work. Like before you put in any of the color and stains, that's what you get, right? Hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it all looks like a rough idea of what a tattoo should be. Yeah. Hmm. There's no more smooth shading in the industry. <laughs> the smooth shading has actually been, it's just kind of gone. Like everyone is just aggregating dots together now and the hopes that five <laughs> to 10 years, they'll start to smooth out and not texturize. Hmm. So, but that also kind of goes hand in hand. I think a lot with like the, the hardware changes that have happened, like the coil machines of yesteryear oh. are, are no longer like really in use. They're, they're kind of, they become novel tools. Well, nowadays the rotary machines, which is like the prison style machines. Yeah. That's that when I was when we were in Spain, they were using those, and I was like, "Wait, what?" But they were smooth, and yeah. like it was like being licked by a kitten, like <laughs> really nice. Um, but I couldn't believe it because that's how out of touch I am now with the scene. Like I didn't yeah. even know. Yeah, you used to yeah. be able to tell a tattoo shop when you walked by it by how many people were actually in there if it was busy or not because of like it was cacophonous, right? You the had sound, to play the music yeah. loud because yeah, there's yeah. all these machines running and you're yelling yep. at your artist talking and stuff. Yep. And now you walk in, there's smooth jazz playing and you don't even hear a hum. Ah. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. I like breaking up mm -hmm. the monotony at the shops currently and I'll set up a, a it's almost kind of sad too. So, like yeah. too quiet. Yeah, you know, like back in the day you could be at a tattoo shop and there's just the overwhelming smell of green soap in the air and the mm -hmm. buzzing from all the tattoo machines you know it felt cool it felt like being at the fair on a saturday night or something yeah. and now when you walk in it's like standing in the middle of a library and you don't know what to say <laughs> right. to anybody right right <laughs> or just an upscale nail salon or yeah something. it's like walking yeah. in the bed Bed Bath Beyond or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. yeah. There's tapestries no, there's... on the wall. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's something to be said for it being an experience and yeah. and 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 something different from your life. Something different from what what you're doing. That's how I've always seen it. Like yeah. maybe that's like a big difference. Was that was that really pushed when you were like going going to the shops and stuff back then? When you went in, it was to like a change out of the norm. It yeah. was like you're modifying you, you, yourself. You felt nervous, like you know what I mean? Like you already were starting to get yourself keyed up because the space and the people and you know, um yeah. 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 yeah, nowadays, yeah, we don't we don't see that at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like the guys hanging out the way the guys used to just hang out in shops. Like oh. I haven't seen that. In <laughs> you don't do that. You're not allowed out in front of storefronts anymore. No, get in the back by the dumpsters, boys. Like it doesn't happen. Like, just everyone would always be sitting out, and everyone smoked. So you yeah. see everyone against the wall. They'd all be smoking. Smoked. Hey, how's it going? The cars would drive by. People are talking. Hey, that's Jerry. Hey, Jerry, how you doing, buddy? You know, and it was like a community thing. And now. The doors are closed. They're locked. Right. You, know, you gotta. You gotta do so much to get in. Right. Yeah, if you really thought about it, like ta every tattoo shop used to be just a scene from the movie Clerks, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, now you just don't get that. Boring people. <laughs> it's really strange. Over each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm so nuts. Like Brian knows how nuts I am, but like I, one of the shops I work at. When I'm not there, people are just like, I guess it's really boring. So every time that I have, I'm scheduled to come up, the shop is fucking packed because I'm like, ah, you know, and I've got coils going on, I'm fucking doing kicks and shit and just being stupid. So everyone seems to have fun. It's a nice, fun experience. But then I've gone up uh, well, some days when I'm not um, scheduled up and I'm just walking by. Hi, everyone. And everyone's just sitting there all on their phones, mm -hmm. you know, the clients on their phone getting tattooed. Somebody's got headphones right. on, they're working. There's no TVs on, there's no sound, there's not even music playing. It's just wow, dead. Yeah. I'm like literally the entire exact opposite of that. <laughs> so like everybody has a really great time while I'm not there. And the moment I show up, everyone has anxiety. <laughs> Oh. I walk in and it's just like, what are you doing? Why isn't the floor swept? Why aren't you drawing flash? What the fuck? Where's your artwork? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Why are you dressed like this? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, dude. That's great. Oh man, I think I don't know. Is there is there anything else that you like to add, Mister This is just fun chatting with you. I feel like we're just like hanging out. So this is this is great. So I know the only thing that's missing is getting a tattoo at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey. Well, is there any uh, any plug you'd like to do? I'm gonna tell people where they can find you. If you got a TikTok, you said you want to get some um, followers. Yep, and I got my um. I don't know. I, I for some reason I've never like used different names for my social media, and so 
this one, TikTok, it's my full name, um, but I share really intimate details of my life. I've like used it as kind of a form of therapy. Like my TikTok followers have diagnosed me with ADHD this last year. I'm like, what? Um, so anyway, nice. so I am easy to find there. Um, oh, that's cool. All right. Well, awesome. Well, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll stop the recording now. Thank you very much for coming on. It was fun talking with you. Uh, sure. really, yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll say goodbye now. All right. That's going to be it for the show so far, I guess. We ended up recording actually a lot more after that, but I'm just going to save it in the can and see if y'all like these uh, shorter episodes rather than the ones where we talk for like three hours. So if you do, let us know in the, uh, I don't know, we have a social media thing. I think we have a Facebook. Yeah, we do. You can head over to Facebook. Let us know on the social media if you like these shorter little bite-sized ones or if you like the uh, if you like the longer ones. Either, either. We'll do what we can with that. Um, yes, yeah, so we want to say thanks to Margo for coming on. Super duper cool. Uh, she's been helping me write a book for about a year on the uh, history of tattooing in the Western world and, and the idea of ownership and tattoos. So that'd be a fun sociological slash anthropological study if I ever actually end up getting off my tushy and doing it. Um, yeah, in the coming weeks, we got a couple other people we'd hinted on on the show coming on as well. And uh, if you know of anyone who may actually want to come on and, and just talk about some tattoo history, let us know. It's always cool to get this stuff and spread it out. You, we all know if you're in the industry how insular that the, 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 the world of tattooing is. You know, there's trade secrets and trade histories and families and this and that. And I think it's all, you know, kind of silly myself. But yeah, if you, if you know someone else who wants to come on, just let us know. Drop us a line. Uh, it's going to be fun. Past that, thank you again for listening. Um, like, subscribe, review, all that other stuff. Give us money. I don't know. We love all of you for listening and actually putting up with our stuff. And we're almost uh, we're almost a year into it now. So this is this is weird. I don't know. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Again, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Yeah, because we're biweekly now. Anyways, bye. 